Speak to us now, O oh Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today. For this is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. We're ready for your word. Father, I pray that good soil would be ready to receive great seed. So that great seed, even in good soil, would produce much fruit. Help us, God, to hear from you and be committed to not just hearing, but to doing what we hear. That we would put our faith in action, that we would work out our soul salvation. We love you. We ask you to have your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In United States criminal law, it's called probable cause. Uh, probable cause is the standard by which an officer or an agent of the law has the grounds to make an arrest, to conduct a personal search of property or person or to obtain a warrant for an arrest. Uh, in layman's terms, there are two things that need to be present in order for the standard of probable cause to be met. Uh, one is an intelligent and reasonable person would believe that a crime has been committed. Uh, and secondly, that same reasonable and intelligent person could surmise that this is the person who probably committed the offense, right? So police ideally can't just walk up and arrest anybody just for walking on the street, ideally. They have to believe first that a crime has been committed and then secondly that you're the person who in all likelihood has committed the crime. Let me ask you a question. If law enforcement today decided to do an investigation if law enforcement today decided to form a task force to investigate your life to see if there was enough evidence or not to give them probable cause to believe that you're a Christian, could you be arrested? Like if they investigated your life and they were looking for evidence to suggest that somehow you are a child of God, would they find enough evidence to arrest you? for being a Christian. See, my brothers and sisters, I submit to you that for most of us, the biggest evidence that we could present that we are a Christian is where we go on Sunday morning. Even though there are 168 hours in the week, man, all we got going for us is about an hour and a half on Sunday. Maybe some prayers every now and then when times get tough. Uh, maybe we can point to the Bible on the coffee table with our name in it. But, but how much evidence would they be able to find if they followed you Monday through Saturday? Uh, if, if, they, if they tapped your phone and listened to your conversations, um, if they monitored your social media posts, would they find enough evidence to even press charges that you are a Christian, that you are a child of God. 
See, my brothers and sisters, I believe that many of us fail to really grasp and understand what it means to be a child of God. Most of us, um, like Dallas Willard says in his 1998 book, uh, Divine Conspiracy, he says, "We, we have focused, we have shifted our focus from making followers of Jesus to creating church members. That's why so many people who claim they are Christians didn't know how to be Christians when the church doors closed. Because their entire Christian experience is what they do within four walls on a hallowed and sanctified and dedicated campus. But how do we be the child of God that God is calling for at work, in school, at home? In, in the marketplace, how do we function like God really has called us to function? Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, making sure your work matches your words and worship. Making sure your work matches your words and worship. Uh, our text today is James chapter 2. Um, If you have a Bible turned there, if you have your outlines, would you say amen? Amen. And there are three things I want you to see today, if the Lord will give us time to get through this, around this idea of making sure your work matches your words and worship. Now, all of us who are believers know how important faith is as a doctrine of the church. Uh, The Bible says that we as sinners, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, are saved by faith. Uh, We are told in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that as a child of God, we must walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 11, 6 tells us it's impossible to please God without faith. And Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, that as a believer, whatever you do apart from faith is sin. But James challenges us on how to know you really have faith. James challenges us to rethink how we not only define it, but how we display it. Because James says, it's not enough to say you have faith if you don't show you have faith. And when you show your faith, listen carefully, the showing of your faith can not only be done in an immeasurable, esoteric kind of way in terms of your vertical relationship with God. He says, no, if you really have faith, your faith needs to show up as you deal with people on a horizontal level every day of your life. Three things I want you to see today that I hope will help you make sure your work matches your words in worship. Number one, what you see and say should move you to serve. What you see and say should move you to serve. What good is it, James 2, 14? Dear brothers and sisters, if you have faith, the New Living Translation says, but don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see 
a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Paul, uh, James, introduces this paragraph with a rhetorical question. James says, uh, what good is it if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? And, and what's interesting is the emphasis is not on the true nature of faith but on the false claim of faith. It's as if James is saying to, to, to each of us, I know the faith that you have, that you say you have, but I can't tell the faith that you say you have is legitimate because I don't see evidence of the faith that you say you have. You say you have it, but you're not showing you have it. Uh, let me see if I can help somebody. It's, it's, it's like somebody telling you they love you, they love you, they love you, but you never see any evidence or any signs of the love they say they have. Right? Don't, don't play a love song if you won't show me love in action. Don't give me a Valentine's Day card if you treat me like crap all year long. I, there, there needs to be some correspondence. Come on, somebody help me in here. Between what you say and what you show. And so James basically says, listen, it's time out for lip service. It's time for life service. J James says, it's useless to declare your faith when there is no demonstration of your faith. Now, now, now watch this. Uh, some would say that James's words contradict Paul's words. Because uh, James says, we, we got to see your works. And, and they would love to quote Paul. So, so let me help somebody with that if you're stuck there. Uh, uh, Paul emphasizes that a man or woman is saved by faith and that works can't save them. Right? So, so when he says a, a, a man is justified by faith apart from works, uh, Paul is saying that you've got to have faith in Jesus. Here's what James is saying. James is saying you've got to have faith in Jesus, but you've got to show some faith every day of your life. Because there ought to be evidence that faith is there. So watch what he says. He gives this poor man that comes in as an illustration. He says this, this man comes into the fellowship. He, he doesn't have the right clothes on. He, he needs food. He's hungry. And, and, and the person with dead faith sees the person and speaks to the person and does nothing. Uh, matter of fact, it's interesting because he says, uh, go in peace. Go in peace, be warmed, and be filled. Now, now you may miss this in, 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 in the English, but, but let me tell you how insulting that is. It's insulting because the implication is that the person who hears and sees can do something about it. But instead of the person who hears and sees doing something about it, they tell the person to do something for themselves. Somebody said, why, why do you say that, Pastor? Because when he says be warmed and be filled, 
it's in the imperative mood, but it's in the passive, in the middle voice. In other words, it's a command that the person who has gives to the person who doesn't have, but then he makes it the responsibility of the person who asks for help to do for themselves. He said, be, be warm, be filled. You, you go. Take care of yourself. I don't, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. And, and James basically says, a workless faith is a worthless faith. Let me say it again for somebody. A, a workless faith is a worthless faith. Too many talk it by a mile, but live it by the inch. He says, you got to make up in your mind that your walk is going to match your talk. Because you can talk a better game than you actually can play. Look at Galatians 6.10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. 1 John 3.17-18, let's read it together. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. You've heard people say, see something, say something. I want, to, I want to add to that and tell you if you see something, do something. Yeah, don't, don't just see something and say something. No, you see something, you want to say something, but make sure you do something to be a blessing to somebody else. Let's go to the second thing. Number two, what you believe can only be proved by how you behave, not by who you say you believe in. What you believe can only be proved by how you behave, not by who you say you believe in. I ask all of you, do you believe in God and in his son Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit? I would think most of you in here would say yes. And I'm going to tell you that's not enough. Watch what James says. Now, someone may say, verse 18, or argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You, have, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Stop right there. James says, you can't show me what you believe if it can't be seen in how you behave. Somebody said it like this, your actions speak so loud I can't hear a word you say. So here's what James says. Some of you say you believe. Some of you say you believe, that you believe in God. You have faith in God. And James says that that saving faith must be validated by a serving faith. Right? And, and then James says, 
even the demons <laughs> believe at that level. Uh, it, it, it's as if he says, uh, there's an there's a orthodox theology of the demons that too many of us in the body of Christ ascribe to. They believe that he is the one God. They're monotheistic. They believe, they believe in the power of the name of Jesus. They believe that the blood never loses its power. Come on, you're tracking right with them. <laughs> they, 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 they believe that, that God is love. They believe all of that. James says the separation doesn't show up in how they believe. It shows up in how they behave. I ask those of you who are entrepreneurs uh, to stand up. Some of you didn't stand up because uh, you were waiting to see what I was going to say, right? <laughs> but, but, but many of you are, are entrepreneurs or thought about being entrepreneurs. There's a tremendous entrepreneur spirit in this younger generation. Um, I don't know, though, if they really realize how much work you got to put in to be an entrepreneur. You know, I, I hear some talking about, you know, you can take off anytime you want and, you know, you can have unlimited vacations and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't even understand what being an entrepreneur is because you don't understand if you don't show up and open the door, no money will be made, right? Right. If you don't man the site, nothing's going to get started. When you get started, you are everything. You are the CEO, the, 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 the janitor, the bottle washer, the window washer. You are everything, right? Trash man, you're everything. But, but here's what I think anybody who has ever been an entrepreneur has to agree with. You can't just talk it. You can't just walk around talking about you got this great idea. No, you got to put some work in. You, you got to put some grind in. You, you got to put 15, 16, 17, 18 hour, 20 hour days, maybe all day, never get a chance to go to sleep. You, you got to work two or three days in a row. You got to put some work in if you want to be successful. I love reading biographies. And one of the reasons I love reading biographies is because by the time a person writes a biography, they're typically very successful but you don't know the story behind the glory, right? So we look at folks and say, man, I want to be like them. Oh, man, you see how he's living? I want to live large like that. And, and you don't understand how long they lived on little before they got a chance to live on large, right? There's a lot of folk that want to start large and they little. And they don't realize you'll never get large when you still try to live large when you're only little. And when you're little, you got to learn how to make sacrifices. You, you got to learn how to eat out of the cupboard and not out of the fancy restaurants. You got you to learn how to make do. You got to learn how to miss a meal. You got to learn how to sacrifice. So, so James says, <laughs> he says, uh, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God and, and there's this sarcastic undertone. He says, good for you. He said, great. Even the demons believe that. Can you imagine his audience going, huh? 
Why you, you saying I got a demonic faith or something? You're like, yeah, that's about it. Here's what James wants you and I to understand. What we believe has to be seen in how we behave. Look at Ephesians 2.10, the NRSV translation. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Underline that, to be our way of life. He says what you learn should impact how you live. Don't talk it and not walk it. And just in case you say, well, I'm not going to talk it, therefore I don't have to walk it. No, because Jesus says, if you know right, that's what the word says, and you don't do right, you have what? Committed sin. It's called the sin of omission. It's the way many of us lie. Right? It's the way many of us lie. I'm, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. It's, it's the way many of us lie. You know, because we, we, don't, we don't tell an outright lie. We just omit some truths. <laughs> right? We just tell some of the story that benefits us. We don't tell the whole story. You know. And, 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 and when you get to the point that you've been living long enough where you, where you can remind somebody that you were born at night but not last night, right? And they start telling you that story. You're like, okay, I know there's more to that than you... Uh, you need to come on, come on with the rest of it. Come on with the rest of it, right? James says you got to behave it. And then watch what James says. James says, let, let me give you two examples. Let me give you two examples. And, and, it's, and it's amazing. I, I love the Word of God because the Word of God, it, it's almost like the Word presupposes questions and then gives an answer to questions you haven't even asked yet. Like, who is eligible to be blessed by their faith? And James says, well, let me give you two examples. It's like James says, I'm glad you asked. He says, the first one is Abraham. Y'all know Abraham. Come on, every good Jew knows Abraham. Every Christian knows Abraham, right? Watch what he says. He says, Abraham believed God. I'm in verse 23. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. Now, that, that phrase counted righteous is a legal or financial term, and it literally means to be put in one's account. It was counted as righteousness. A person who was bankrupt now has deposited in his account because of the faith that he has exercised. But then he moves down and watch what he says. He says, not only Abraham was counted righteous, but Rahab was counted righteous. Rahab. Now, now some of you don't know who Rahab is. Rahab was a woman of the night. She was a brothel worker. Uh, she was the head madam. Yeah, she, she was in charge. And, and when the spies came in to, to Jericho, uh, the first place they went was where everybody went. Now, it was the Rahab's house. They, they went to the place where everybody, I didn't say they went for the same reason. I just said they went 
to the same place. So, so much so that when the king heard that some spies were in the land, he sent folk to Rahab's because he knew if anybody knew who was new in town, Rahab would know who was new in town. Bible says she was a prostitute who exercised faith that allowed the spies to hide on her premises and be lowered and get out of the city safely. And when they came back in, they spared her household. They spared her and her family because of their faith. Watch this. Rahab had a dynamic faith. She had a dynamic faith. And she proved her faith by her works. And it's as if James says, listen, you pick the extreme that you fall under or anywhere in between. Abraham was a man. Rahab was a woman. Uh, Abraham was a Jew. Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was a patriarch. Rahab was a prostitute. Uh, uh, Abraham was a hero. Rahab was a harlot. Uh, Abraham was a friend of God. Rahab was considered an enemy of God. But both were justified by their faith and their works. Abraham had a waiting faith. Rahab had a winning faith. But they both had faith in God. And, and all I'm trying to get you to understand is you are saved not by faith, plus works, but you are saved by a faith that works. Let, let, me, let me say it again. You, you are not saved by faith plus works. You are saved by a faith that works. Look at Titus 3.8. The saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to, there it is, good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Verse 48, Luke chapter 12, but someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Let me, let me take a little more time. Let me close this out. Look at, look at number three. What you believe is dead is, and useless if it is not supported by what you do. What you believe is dead and useless if it is not supported by what you do. Verse 17, verse 20, verse 26, James chapter 2. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Verse 20, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good works is useless? Without good deeds is useless. Verse 26, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. James says, I can't make it any plainer than this. He says, you can't live without breathing. And faith can't live without working. Just like breath is needed for the body to survive, 
He says, your works must show up so your faith can live. He says, if your faith does nothing, then it is as if you don't have faith at all. So here's the question. What kind of fruit are you producing in your life? What's the evidence that you really have faith in God? Showing up on Sunday? Uh, uh -uh. I believe in God. I love the Lord. So do the demons. He said the evidence is not in who you believe. The evidence is in what you do. Has your life really been changed? So, <clears throat> growing up, um, I had some toys that I really, really liked. Um, I didn't even know they were educational toys. I, I, was a, I was a boy's boy, you know. So I had my Tonka trucks. You know, back then they were made of metal. They were like indestructible, you know. Real cast metal, right? And, uh, and, and one of the toys that I enjoyed was uh, the CNC's. Anybody remember the CNC's? You pull the string. Hope that string didn't break because if that string broke, boy, you was in trouble, right? But, but you would spin that, that CNC around. Um, I don't know if y'all got a picture of that CNC, but, but you would spin it around to the particular animal in particular. I like the farmer. The farmer says, right? Farmer says. I, I, listen, I became pretty good at impersonating animals just from the farmer says. Um, you know, so I, you, know, you put it on the cow and pull the string. And you're, mm. you're like, man, right? Now, for a kid that grew up in the projects in New York City, in my mind, that's as close as I'm going to get to a cow, y'all. So I listened intently. The, the, the cow goes, mm. go to the horse, pull that string. The horse will go, mm. <laughs> And I worked on my horse thing now. Y'all can't tell me I can't sound like a horse. I worked on my thing. <laughs> if you really want to throw the head in there, you can throw the head in there. <laughs> right? Turn it to the dog. The dog will, you know. But here's what I, I later realized. All I was getting was sound. No substance. In other words, when I pulled that string and I heard that cow moo, I couldn't pet that cow. There was no milk to be gotten. There was no hamburgers to be gotten. All I had was a sound. Are y'all hearing me? When I pulled that string and, and that horse neighed, all I got was a sound. I didn't have an opportunity to jump on the back of a horse and ride a horse. All I had was a sound when I put it on the dog and that dog barked when I pulled that string. All I had was a sound. I couldn't walk the dog. I couldn't pet the dog. I couldn't be comforted by the dog. All I had was a sound. And my brothers and sisters, here's the sad truth. For far too many people, we have the church says, and we pull the C and say, and we start hearing things like, 
I'm too blessed to be stressed. We pull the string and we hear this evening, Heavenly Father, once more again, a few of your humble handmade servants come knee bent and body bowed one more time. Right? We, we pull the string and we hear a hymn sung. We hear a sound, but we don't get substance. And I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that if we are going to be what God wants us to be, we have to be a people who are willing to give more than sound to our faith. We've got to be willing to give substance. We've got to make our faith more than what we say. Our faith has to be seen in how we serve. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I thank you that the real challenge that in front, is in front of us is will the world see and feel God's love through us? Um, we can say it, but are we willing to show it? We can declare it, but are we willing to do it? What are we willing to do? God, I pray that you would help us today to see how vital and how critical living out our faith is, not just for your glory, but for our good, to help us grow and become all you want us to be. We thank you, God, and I pray now that your word has found fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people, that we would be more than hearers of your word. We would be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we've been to a professional development, uh, continuing educations, CLE, CEU, or something like that, right? And one of the worst things is to go to a CEU and get nothing. Right? Like you go and you're like sitting there like, why am I here? It's just a waste of time. Man, it's one of the worst things. But you know what's even worse than that? To go and get great information and do nothing with it. To go and get information and do nothing with it. That, that's a sin before God. That, that's a shame. I, I want you to leave here today um, more committed and recognizing that your ultimate fulfillment in life is found when you allow God to have his way in your life. Not by just coming to a place, but to live inside of you and to live through you. That you will fulfill your purpose, your design in life when you give yourself to the Lord. Everybody who can and everybody who will, stand on your feet wherever you are. If you're here today, um, I want to extend an invitation and an opportunity. Um, for those who may be watching, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to the Lord. Uh, on the screen will come a QR code. Uh, if you're present today in the building, online, and you want to give your life to the Lord, um, you don't have to come down to do that. 
we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Um, but if you're here, we want to welcome you to come. Um, we won't look at you funny. I promise we'll rejoice when you come, when you say yes to the Lord. Now, there, there are two things, and, and you hear me say this all the time, but I'm going to keep saying it until you can say it for yourself. There's only two kinds of people in the world, people who need Jesus and people who know Jesus. That's it. If you need him, then you need to know him. And if you know him, then you need to grow in him. So if you're here today and you need God in your life, and can I tell you what happens, at least in my life, many times God will put me in situations and circumstances to make me realize I need God. You get to that place where it's like God says, no, you're not God. You've been thinking you God. Let me show you you're not God. And when folks say, well, you know, the Lord won't put more on you than you can bear. That's a lie. He will. Talk about it. Oh, no, no, he will. He'll put more on you than you can bear. So you'll recognize that whatever he puts on you, you and he can bear. Yeah. But, but he'll let you know you can't bear it. He'll let you know you can't. And if you don't believe me, just keep on living. Just keep on living. If you need the Lord, we invite you to come. If you know the Lord, if you'd like to make this your church home, man, we welcome you to come. Listen, we're just people trying to work out our soul salvation. Um, if we were perfect and sinless, then you wouldn't come because we wouldn't let you in because you would mess it all up. We just sinners saved by grace, just trying to become all that God wants us to be. And we welcome you to join us on the journey. Uh, good hope it's time for the offering. Amen. Amen. Okay, I caught some of y'all while y'all was sitting. Y'all couldn't clap. You was holding yourself. So let's try it again. Good hope it's time for the offering. Amen. Amen. Now, a um, couple of things. One, let's, let's put the QR code up uh, again in terms of our giving. There are six ways that you can worship the Lord in giving here um, at the church, um, everything from Cash App to uh, Google Pay, Apple Pay. Um, you can text to give. However the Lord leads you to give, we certainly want to uh, give you an opportunity to obey the Lord and worship the Lord in giving. I also want to encourage those of you who have not registered yet for the Rooted and Grounded pilot groups. Uh, all leaders are required to be part of our pilot groups and all committed members who would like to be part of the pilot groups, you are welcome to do so. We have about 85 people that have registered already and another nine or 10 that started the registration process. Uh, we're looking to go to 100. We're gonna kick off our pilot groups in January. Um, but remember, right, we have our next training on December the 10th. Saturday, December the 10th. That's not this Saturday coming up. It's the following Saturday, December the 10th. Um, but you can register. All you need to do is scan that QR code that's coming back on the screen right now. And um, you can scan that code and you can register. Um, you can get your order, your curriculum online um, in digital or in person. Um, there's a special price if you want to get both digital and hard copy. 
and um, your t-shirt size as well for our Rooted and Grounded. This is our discipleship process. And if you want to be a part of this church family, um, there's, there's two things that you have to be committed to. One is being discipled and one is making a disciple. Right? Uh, we're not coming anymore to sit and soak and potentially sour. We're coming to serve. And, and I, 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 want, I don't want a crowd. I want an army. Right? I don't want a crowd. I want an army. Um, I was watching college football on yesterday and um, I was watching the Ohio State Michigan game and my daughter in love went to Ohio State so you know I was rooting for Michigan and no I, I like Jim Harbaugh I was rooting for Michigan and, and so but but the Ohio State they called the horseshoe right and over a hundred thousand fans were there over a hundred thousand people and when the game was over, those hundred thousand plus people went back to their vehicles and went home. And the world was no better because they went and watched the game where their team lost. Nothing changed except they started counting down for the game next year. Nothing changed. And I'm saying, man, forget a hundred thousand. If I can get 10,000, forget 10,000. If I can just get 1,000 to say we want to change the world, we want to be part of that army that turns the world upside down to change my life, to change my children's life, to change my grandchildren's life, to change my other family and friends' lives. Man, can you imagine what, what, would, what would change if 100,000 people said, we want to live for God and we want to add value to the people that we meet every day. We want to invest in them. We want to help them to come to know God and grow in God. Absolutely mind blowing what God could do. And so I'm hoping that you want to be part of that army. Let's look to the Lord. God, we thank you and bless you for this day, for this time. We pray now that as we leave this place, we would never leave your presence. May your spirit rest, rule, and abide with us now and forever. It's in Jesus' name that we pray that all of God's people say amen.